Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. I want to jump right into the message today and uh, I want to let you guys know, okay, so I'm going to leave some things unqualified today because there's no way in, you know, 30 or 40 minutes that I can unpack all of this in its full context. It'll probably take me about three weeks, but we're gonna do some heavy lifting today. How many of y'all ready to do some heavy lifting today? You ready for a spiritual workout, okay? Now, listen, I wanna encourage you, listen, listen. You have the mind of Christ. You have ears to hear, okay? What we don't wanna do now that, you know, our church, we're going through the whole story and the meta-narrative. Listen, don't, don't be afraid of going deep, okay? And uh, know that there's many things that Jesus taught that uh, at first um, people didn't have a full understanding of. But that's why it's so important what you keep coming to church and you remain faithful to the house of God and, and all of those kind of things. And, uh, and then, you know, God adds line upon line, precept upon precept. And so uh, we're going to stay in our theme of, uh, of the whole story today. And what we're going to begin to do is just like you saw in the video, we're going to begin to unpack some context around understanding the law and really what the law is and how that relates to the new covenant, how it relates to uh, grace. And so uh, it's going to take a few weeks to do this. And um, I'm telling you, after these next few weeks, you are going to be mm, solid and uh, and uh, a faithful steward of God's word. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. Lord, I thank you for your people, Lord. And I, I just know, Lord, whether it's someone's first time in your house and they don't know you, or whether it's someone that's been studying scripture for years and years and years, I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna reveal your word to all of us, that you love all of us, that we're all equal, that we're all family. And we just give you all the praise today, Lord, as we unpack what you meant by when you said that you have come to fulfill the law. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Um, <clears throat> it's so important, you know, uh, Carla preached last week and then my message a couple of weeks ago when we talked about that the gospel is the whole story of Jesus. And it's so important that we understand not only who he is, but as Jesus tells us in Revelation when describing himself, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. And we can't really understand who we are unless we understand who he is and was and is to come and having that whole uh, picture of God, the whole story, the whole gospel, and seeing God as a whole person. I'm gonna keep going over this week after week. I have found that so many uh, believers, they have a, a, a their, their, their life is fragmented, and they have a fragmented view about scripture, and the reason is because they have a fragmented view about God. How many of you know that it's important to have a whole healthy view of who God is, yeah? And so, so here's, what, here's what I like to 
say. We need to have a functional view of the Trinity, not a fragmented view of the Trinity. Okay? So, you know, if you're, if you're new to church or scripture, whatever like that, the Trinity is kind of the theological term uh, for, for one God in three persons. It's very important that we understand that uh, the triune nature of God, there's one God in three persons. It's not three persons kind of coming in agreement to form one God. But many times the way that people view Scripture and view God is just that. It's kind of like we look in the Old Testament, you know, and here's the wrath of God, and this must be like the Father, and it's judgment, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden, here comes the New Testament, here comes Jesus. We like Jesus, right? He's nice, right? You know, it's kind of like good cop, bad cop, and the Holy Spirit's just trying to comfort everybody in the whole process. Listen, God is not good cop and bad cop. In fact, he's not a cop. He's one God, and he's a whole God, and he's in three persons, okay? And so understanding, you know, when we read things in Scripture, like, you know, like Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. Well, who is the wrath of God? Jesus Jesus, you can read about it in Thessalonians, Jude, Corinthians, Revelation. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Jesus is coming back to take vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the gospel. Jesus is the wrath of God from Revelations that comes back to, uh, to, to establish his millennial reign. And so having a holistic view of God, listen, God's always been merciful from Genesis to Revelations. And that's what we're going to see. It's not like, oh, there's, you know, there's judgment here and there's mercy here. No, no. Judgment and mercy are two sides of the same coin. And that coin is love. God is love. And we need to love the God of mercy just like we love the God of judgment. They are one God, okay? We love, we want justice uh, in the world eventually, or there will never be an end to suffering. There will never be an end to all the, the, the to oppression and racism and hatred and murder and all the different way that, ways that, um, you know, human beings are, are taken advantage of and, 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 and oppressed. And so it's so, so important that we have a whole view of God, a whole view of scripture and not a fragmented view of scripture. So let me just give you some scriptures, okay? Oh, I want to read verse four of this too, because it's what uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking. I don't even know if you know this, uh, Carla, but look at, I'm going to read John chapter one, verses one through three, but if we can get verse four up there, that would be great. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Is Jesus God? Yes, okay. He was in the beginning with God. Look at this. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Colossians says all things were made by him and for him, okay? So can we put verse four up there? Is that kind of two? Look, remember what Carla was saying about Jesus is the light, but he also gives life? That's the very next scripture. In him was life, and the life 
was the light of men. So understand this, Genesis through Revelations, okay? If we want to take, there's one God, but the person, the preexistent Son of God. Every time God engages the humans, engages earth, engages man. What in the beginning God said, what? Let there be light. God spoke. Who did God, who created the world or who did God create the world through? However you want to say, that's Jesus, okay? Who formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed life in him? That was Jesus. That was the son of God. Who came down on Mount Sinai, watch, and with his finger wrote the Ten Commandments? Come on. <laughs> yeah? Somebody follow me here. Okay. Who rained fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah after and only after he drew Abraham into intercession? I'll have mercy on 20. I'll have mercy on 15. I'll have mercy on 10. Abraham was the one that stopped praying, not who rained fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus, do you see what I'm saying? Who, the, the, we, we have to understand that throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, one God, three persons, whenever God engages humanity, there is a form, a discussion, an engagement with, uh, with, with earth and with humans. That's always the Son. Okay, so we'll get into some more things about the Trinity, it's hard for us to understand. Bible Project has a great video on it. We're, we're gonna get that out in a couple of weeks. But it's just important that we don't have this concept of God, this kind of good cop, bad cop. And, and one of those things that that ties into that we're gonna talk about today is the law and grace. We have this idea like law is bad, grace is good. No, the law was good, humans are bad. <laughs> And Jesus came to fulfill the law, bring it to its highest expression, and give us grace to carry out the goal of the law, love our neighbor as ourself. Okay, these are, <laughs> God's not against himself. At no time ever, ever in eternity past to eternity future, I don't even have a word for this. No time is there ever one fraction of a fraction of a fraction of an inkling of a milladilla, milla, milla, milla fractional any disagreement or hesitation or out of total oneness in alignment with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're always in, they're one God. They just manifest themselves in three distinct persons, okay? Hard for us to get our mind around, but what I wanna ask us as God's family is, we need a functional view of the Trinity, not a fragmented view. We need a functional view of Scripture, not a fragmented view. So that's why the Gospels, the whole story of King Jesus, King Jesus, his life did not start in a manger. <laughs> Let me show you where it started. He took on human flesh in a manger. It started, look at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, Jesus has no beginning. All right. <laughs> Revelation 1.8. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. This is red letter. 
I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Is that powerful? Jesus is the Almighty. When he was arguing with, uh, with uh, some Jews and they're saying, hey, we're Abraham's children. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. He's taking them. You, you, some people say Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, boy, when he said that to those Jews, he's taking them to the burning bush when God speaks to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses says, what's your name? And, 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 and Yahweh says, I am who I am. I've always been, I always will be. You cannot define me with human word. When Jesus said, I am, Jesus was saying, I am Yahweh. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm, pre, I'm pre-existent. So that's why you see in Paul, Paul's constantly taking people back. John does as well in the gospel to the pre-existent. Son of God. Come on, you want your mind to be blown? Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Amen. We serve a great God. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their, I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That's how the Jeremiah that's later brought up in Hebrews. Can you give our awesome God a big, big hand right now? He's always wanted everybody to have complete access. That's what great is. Great. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor to have total access. That's why we can now approach the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus. Um, so we're gonna look at the new covenant and the old covenant, but it's very important, listen, everybody listen. It's very important not to confuse the Old Testament with the old covenant, okay? Don't confuse the Old Testament with the old covenant. Scholars like to say it this way, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Let me say that again. That sounded like a rap song or something. <laughs> the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. But it is one narrative 
of the redemptive plan of God to bring a people and a family to himself. Eden to Eden restored. Can you give God a hand for that? All right. So here we go, Matthew 5, 17. Here's what Jesus says. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Have heaven and earth passed away yet? Then not all is fulfilled. Okay? Look at this. It says, um, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, look, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that just must have blown people away. You know what I'm saying? Here's Jesus talking about righteousness, talking about he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. But then he goes on to say, listen, nothing is, passed, is passing away till all is fulfilled. And then he addresses this subject of righteousness. This is very, very important as we get into this, all, you know, all the scriptures and passages about law and grace, okay? He, Jesus speaks of righteousness, okay? And he says, look, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Very important to understand. Israel, all Jewish people, no one thought or even thinks today that you can be saved through the law. So this whole idea of the Western mindset of, you know, okay, you're, you're getting into works and the law can't save you. Well, of course the law can't save you. The Israelites never thought the law could save them. Israelites today don't think the law can save them. You know who they think can save them? The Messiah. The coming Messiah. Messiah is the one that comes and saves us and brings us into his kingdom. What Jesus is addressing right here is he's addressing the issue of righteousness. I'm going to get back to that. In other words, the righteousness that comes through the law is a righteousness that will not bring access, justification, saying we could get all these things. It's not a righteousness that God is going to accept when it comes to coming into his kingdom and being his people, okay? So let me give you a few uh, words here that we need to understand. Okay, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. That word law, everybody say Torah. So that word there in the Greek and where it's mostly used, it's, it's basically the word Torah. This is very important. What is the Torah? Well, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, including Genesis. Now here's the thing about Torah that you just saw on the Bible Project video, okay? So when Jesus is saying, I didn't come to destroy the Torah or the prophets, okay, a definition for Torah 
is story, narrative, commandments, wisdom, law. There's about 10 to 12 definitions of Torah. Torah doesn't just mean law like we just think, oh, that's like the laws, just, just the, the, you know, all the commandments. No, it's also the narrative. It's also the story, okay? And the gospel is the whole story of King Jesus. Now, look at this. Why is Jesus saying, this is interesting, a couple of things I wanna point out here. He links the prophets with the Torah, okay? He says, look, I have not come to destroy the Torah or the prophets, but to fulfill. Now watch. Many people today think that that word fulfill basically kind of means destroy. Jesus is creating a tension here. He says, look, things are changing, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't come to destroy, abolish, do away with the Torah and the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. So he's kind of given them this language here that things are changing. Nothing's going to be totally destroyed, but things are changing. Okay, so let's look at these words here. Look at the word destroy. In the Greek, that's katalio. Look what the word destroy means. It means to dissolve or disunite what has been joined together. It means to abolish or demolish. So what Jesus is saying here is, I'm not coming to disjoin, disunite, or unhitch the story, the redemptive story of God. No, what I'm doing is I'm just gonna fulfill it. Now look, look at the word fulfill here. This is the Greek plero. Here's what it means. It means to fill up to the top. It means to bring to its highest expression. Bring to its highest expression. Let me give you an expanded definition. To fill up to the top, to bring to its highest expression, to cause God's will and word as made, no, as made known in the Torah, just think Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, just think the first five books of the Old Testament, including the laws given to Moses on Mount Sinai, to cause God's will and word is made known in the Torah, to be expressed and obeyed as it should be, as God's promises, and God's promises as given through the prophets to receive fulfillment. So watch this. We just read one of those in Jeremiah 31, okay? Jeremiah 31, what? It's a promise about a new covenant, okay? It's a promise about God bringing something, watch, to its highest expression. In the redemptive story, in the redemptive plan that God has for man in bringing in a family, it has always been God's original intent to bring man to a place of relationship where there is total access, there is total fellowship, there is nothing hindering the access. This is important because this is what the, the, the foundational definition of grace. That anyone, because of the goodness and favor of God, can access God, 
can be totally forgiven, can be one with God, that can access his presence without being destroyed. Yeah? This has always been God's plan, his redemptive plan. But watch this, fulfill. Everybody say fill up. Fill up. Say fill up to the top. Say bring to its highest expression. Okay, I got, a, I got a good illustration for you, okay? So watch. Here's, here's what many of us, here's our idea of the law and sometimes even the Old Testament. Here's what we think, okay? So, put this over here. Let's say this. And remember, there's other covenants. You know, there's the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. There's the Mosaic covenant. There's the Davidic covenant. There's all these covenants of how God uh, begins to bring people into family and to set the narrative. So watch, here's what we think. We think, okay, this is the old covenant, all right? So it was an inferior covenant, and so Jesus came, so here's what Jesus, Jesus is bigger and better and higher. Yeah, and he is, okay? So what Jesus did was he fulfilled it. So bam, there's Jesus, check like a task list, old covenant fulfilled, check. This, we just, why even look back there, you know? But this is what the word fulfilled means. The word fulfilled means this. There never was a this. Actually, right after the garden, really, and Noah, Abraham, guess what? God starts bringing in his redemptive narrative to bring a family back to himself. There has to be stages. There has to be stages. There has to be process. This is a rescue plan here. This is big. So watch. He, when Jesus comes on the scene, okay, so let's say there's the old covenant right there. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't come just to throw this out, check a box, put a new glass up there and fill it up. No. I came to what? Fill this to the top and bring it to its highest expression. Come on. In fact, you're going to overflow with the love and goodness of God. You thought. That's exactly what that word means. It doesn't mean check off a box and okay, got that done. It means to fill to the top and bring something to its highest expression. So watch, that's why in the very next couple of verses, Jesus basically gives a great example of that. Look what he says. He said, hey, look, you have heard it was said of old, you shall not murder. Okay, now he's going to the moral loan. Just a second, I'm gonna show you the difference between the moral, the civil, and the ceremonial, okay? Look, Jesus said, you've heard, it all, uh, uh, you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder, 
and whoever murders will be danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. What happened to the good cop? What happened to the nice Jesus? No, what did Jesus do? Jesus takes a moral law that was here and he brings it to its highest expression. And he says, look, you, in the old covenant, okay, you didn't, you, uh, you, you don't, in the old covenant, it was just don't kill somebody. Don't murder somebody. I'm taking this to a higher expression where you're gonna fight murder is at the very beginning in your heart when you're not loving your brother. Come on, when there's some prejudice there, when there's some racism there, where there's some offense there, where you're demeaning someone, where you're looking down on someone, where, where you're out for vengeance, where you're trying to take things into your own hand. What does he do? He says, I'm bringing this to a higher expression. So, you know, the Pharisees, they thought it was just good to not kill somebody. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to have to go higher than that. So we're going to bring this from the outer to the inner. We're going to bring this into the heart. But later on, what you're going to find out, Jesus is going to say, don't worry. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised to newness of life. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have the power to fulfill the goal of the Torah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because it's going to be my righteousness that I give you. Not a righteousness that you're, you're, you're trying to live and approach God in a way that is rules apart from Jesus. You follow me? So watch. Let's take murder. However, guess what? M not murdering is still valid. It's amazing. If you go through a lot of the commandments, people are like, well, that's Old Testament. That's Old, that's, that's old Covenant. You know, Jesus said, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. You know what a great way to love your neighbor is? Not murder them. Where do we get these things? Here's what, what Jesus teaches us is this. Watch this. The way to demonstrate his righteousness is through a relationship with him. No longer do you have to go around like, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to whatever. That's not how you do it. No, what you do is you have a relationship with Jesus. And as you love him, guess what? There's the Holy Spirit's in you. You're led by the Spirit, so you're demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah? And so now we begin to image. We begin to function as imagers of God. Are you following? Are you going to be tempted sometimes to cheat? Yes. Are you going to be tempted to hate or get bitter or be offended? Yes. Are you going to get uh, tempted for 
Adultery, that's another thing Jesus made clear. We're not going to fight adultery, you know, like when you're going in the hotel room. We're going to fight adultery in the heart when you're looking at that woman and lusting after. Higher expression. Are y'all following me here? What Jesus is saying is this. He's like, I'm going to be God's faithful covenant partner. I'm going to do all this perfectly. I'll get into this. I'm going to do the civil. I'm going to do the ceremonial. I'm going to do the moral. I'm going to do all the things that you could never do for yourself because I am a faithful covenant partner. I am going to be, I am righteous, guess what? By the jot. By the tittle, Jesus had no sin. Jesus was perfect. He was the sinless lamb. He was the perfect atoning sacrifice. He was was everything. And once he became that sacrifice, that when he died on the cross, that's why Hebrews says this, through that sacrifice, now, Jeremiah 31, now through that sacrifice, Once and for all atoning sacrifice, all of our sins are forgiven forever and God will remember our sins no more. We are justified by Jesus. We have his righteousness. Are you following me? So this is the whole thing that Paul, I'm gonna bring this up maybe in a couple of weeks, but that's the whole thing that Paul's talking about. And, uh, in Romans 7, when he's saying, look, the law's good. The law's holy. The problem is I'm not good, and I'm not holy. And so my, my, I see the law, I see the Torah, I see it's perfect and holy and good. My mind says yes, but guess what? My sinful nature says, uh-uh, we're going to do something else. That's where he gets into this wrestling thing. He's like, the law gives me a commandment. I can't keep it. I don't have the the, the power. I don't have the grace. Who's going to deliver me from this situation? Well, Messiah, because the law was never meant to bring salvation in the first place, and no one ever even believed that. Who brings salvation? Messiah. Jesus comes. He fulfills all of that. And now he gives us the grace and his righteousness so we can carry out the goal of the law, which is to love God and love our neighbor as ourself. But all of those moral commandments, they're active. And they're constantly repeated in the law or the Torah in the prophets and in the New Testament. They're constantly repeated. And usually when Jesus repeats one, guess what he does? He brings it to a higher expression. Amen, can you give God a hand for that? So, okay, let me go through the three components of what we would call the laws. And understand today, like, okay, so there's civil law, there's ceremonial law, and there's moral law. These are the three types of laws that we see in the the Torah or um, what's called, you know, the the law of Moses. Um, Now, this is really, really important, okay? When you're looking at civil law, 
and ceremonial law and moral law, all three of those, and you'll see it, I think you're gonna see it just like that. Jesus brings all those to their highest expression, okay? He brings them to the top. And so what you're gonna see is, and these three components right here, there are several things with the civil law and the ceremonial law that yes, they have no application for us because, let's just go to civil law. What is the civil law? Well, the civil laws were for Israel as a sovereign nation, okay? Think of as, Israel's like the United States, okay? I mean, it's not, but you know what I'm saying, okay? So now, we're not, we're not just talking about moral commandments, we're talking about civilization. We're talking about Israel, God has chosen Israel for himself to be his portion, and he's called them out of the nations. So he sets all of these civil laws and some ceremonial and moral ones. He sets all of these laws, watch, to keep them healthy. There's all these dietary laws. To keep them healthy, to keep them safe, to how to engage in warfare with other nations, how to help the oppressed and the widow and people fleeing uh, from war in other nations. He gives them civil laws about uh, inheritance. He gives, I mean, there's just all kind of things in there of, of, of civil laws, why? Because, watch, because that was for the sovereign nation of Israel under Yahweh's domain in the ancient Near East. <laughs> Okay, and many of those civil laws, watch, were to, remember, Israel, God delivered them out of Egypt, okay? I'm gonna do, when we get into Exodus, I'm gonna do some things on the gods of Egypt. You're gonna see the type of behavior that was going on with these other nations and these other gods that Egypt and these other nations uh, were serving, but it was so uh, evil. And it was so um, brutal, okay? And that's why you see these civil laws like about um, bestiality, um, about these other things, about, I mean, does God, why does he have to tell, like remind Israel, don't offer your children as sacrifices to Molech? How many be like, I think I, I don't know if you need to mention that one. Why does he need to specifically talk about bestiality? Because all these things were the practices of the other nations around them with the temple prostitutes and blood sacrifice and all. It, listen, this, the ancient Near East, it was a brutal, a brutal culture. And those lesser gods, those fallen angels under Satan, they were brutal taskmasters. And they had bloodlust and they demanded from the people following them, they demanded human sacrifice, they demanded lustrations, they demanded all types of really abominable practices. And so things even from, you see Israel like, 
Don't put tattoos on. Don't do all these different, all of these things. Okay, your hair's gonna, all of these things are to take Israel and set them apart from the other nations so as they're coming to being Yahweh's people, it's like this, it's a whole clean slate. We're not drawing comparison to anything else. And I'm getting off the subject here. I'm like way off the subject. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. What? That's why we look at things like Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice. Oh gosh, that's so brutal. That was the norm. In the ancient Near East, offering the firstborn in a blood sacrifice, all of them were doing that. So God did that to show Abraham, guess what? I'm not like those other gods. I'm gonna bring the sacrifice. Do you see? So God gives them all these things for, for distinction so they can have a clean slate. And even with that, so think about this. That's why I'm so off. That's why, what, remember when they go to Sinai, okay, and, and Moses goes up to the mountain? Yeah, he's going up to meet with Jesus, who's the legislator of the law. That's why in John, when it says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, in the Western mind, we look at those as, oh, bad cop, good cop. Those are opposed. No, in the Hebrew mind, they're looking at that as, this is an issue of mediation. In other words, how are we gonna know what the highest expression of the truth of the law is and how are we gonna have the grace or the power to carry out the goal of the law unless the very one who gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai comes himself. If I wrote a book, we can all try to do our interpretations, but who's gonna know the real meaning of the, the writer? He was the word. He is the word. He is the hand of God. Oh man, what was I talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, so they come into Mount Sinai. Remember they, <laughs> they come in, Moses goes up on the mountain and all of a sudden what, what does Aaron and them do? There's no idols. What? God's gone, they were so used to, uh, hurry up everybody, give me your gold. Hurry up, let's put. A calf, it was a bull. Baal, Beelzebub. They, they right there, they, they're so ingrained in idol worship and the practices of these savage pagan nations. So what we see is Yahweh through the, many of these civil laws He's got to protect them. He's got to get them healthy, but watch. So now when Jesus comes, right? So now Jesus comes, well, yes, the gospel is for the nation of Israel and the scattered uh, peoples of Israel, but guess what? The gospel is also for what? All the nations <laughs> that those civil laws were protecting the people of God from. So that's why when Jesus, what does the Bible say? What did he do? He tore down the barrier. He, he destroyed the barrier between Jew and Gentile that they could now be one. So all the civil laws designed to keep me out, designed to, what, what would they do? <laughs> Israelites, what, they go conquer the Canaanites. Well, 
Now, many of us are Canaanites, or at least that's where our ancestors came from. So what do we know? No, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers. We don't, we don't cast out the people. We cast out the spirits that are holding the people in bondage. There, there's no... God doesn't want to separate the Gentiles from his people. The Gentiles are his people. Is everybody following me? So are there principles that we can learn from the civil laws and we get many of our civil laws? Absolutely. Ceremonial law, real quick. Think of the sacrificial system, okay? So watch. All of the sacrifices, so there's the Passover lamb. How many of you know Jesus took that to its highest, fullest expression? He is a Passover lamb. Day of atonement. Jesus took the atoning sacrifice to its highest expression. So watch, all of those things. So do we just throw out Passover? No, we celebrate it all the more because our Passover is not about a, a lamb or an animal looking to some future uh, Messiah. No, the Messiah is the Passover lamb. He's the atoning sacrifice. He fulfilled it all. He sat down with his disciples at the Last Supper. Do you see? So he fulfilled all that. The priesthood, okay? Can you thank Jesus? Guess what? We all can be in the priesthood now. That's what that's about. He fulfilled the priesthood. Now, think about this. In the old covenant, one guy, one time a year, one time, gets to go into the presence of God. And if he's not dressed right, if he don't have all his bells and whistles, if he's not looking good, if he didn't do all this cleaning, if he didn't do all that stuff, guess what? He's going in there and he's dying. Does that mean Jesus is not merciful? No, it means God will not change his substance. He will not change his otherness. He will not change his divinity. He has to make a way for man to access it without being consumed. So Jesus is the atoning sacrifice and then guess, so guess what? We can all come before God 24-7. We're the kingdom of priests. That's what grace is. Grace is access. Okay. I went too long. The moral law, of course, we talked about that. He came to take it to a higher expression, not abolish it. Okay. And there's a lot of examples I could give. Circumcision, that was the, if you were in Israel, if you were with the people of God, that was your mark of the covenant. What's covenant? That's how God takes people and makes them family. That's what covenant does. It takes two parties and makes them family even though they weren't family. So circumcision for the Israelite, that was his mark of citizenship. Okay, you just read Jeremiah 31. Now in the new covenant, what? God's like, we gotta take that to a, a higher form of circumcision. We gotta do a circumcision in the heart. Yeah? And so he's gonna come in the holy, but watch, this is important. Well, so do we just throw that all away, no, what's the principle? Well, now to have access in the truth, what is the, what's the outward expression, demonstration of your citizenship in heaven? Water baptism. So now it's the water baptism. That's a, so that's important to understand that while, now watch, if you're an Israelite, I'll get into that in a couple of messages. But watch, it's important to understand when we read these things, there's a fulfillment. There is still a demonstration or an expression. And of course, all of the moral 
laws. We don't fulfill those by do this, do that. But they are, yes, yes, yes. We, they're repeated, but we do that in a life-giving way through the grace of God and with a relationship with our Messiah Jesus. Can I have a good hand for that? I'm closing with this. Come on, y'all have done great. Let me just, one more example, okay, so watch. All scholars believe the moral, the moral law is still active, but then you get to the 10 commandments and there's the, the Sabbath, okay? So how did Jesus bring the Sabbath to its highest expression? He's, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So what he said, I created the Sabbath. I didn't create this, the, the man for the Sabbath, I created the Sabbath for man. Hebrews 4 says, there is no real Sabbath rest without Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah? So watch, watch. So what does that mean? That Jesus, we don't worship the day, we worship the Lord of the day. But do we just throw it out? See what I'm saying? Of course we don't. No, there is a seventh day principle about your family and having a time of honoring Jesus as Lord. It's what the marriage supper of the Lamb is. I guarantee when it's the marriage supper of the Lamb, everybody's like, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming to that one. Do, do you see? Like, so yes, there is, we, there, 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 we need to honor, we need to understand. This doesn't have to be when we convene, but there is this thing of, it's not about the, the day, it's about the Lord of the day but we don't have the right just to change the day. Just like we don't have the right just to change, change this, uh, you know, hero Israel. I mean, I could just go through a number. We just don't have the right. This is my concern, and I am closing. This is my concern. My concern is, that where we are in our, and especially with the Western mind that says, if I, if I understand it, I believe it. The Hebrew mind says, I don't believe it until I do it. It's a much more holistic view of God. My concern is, and what's been happening a lot with the church, is we've taken that term grace, and the way that we have applied it is this. Jesus died for me, which he did, but now guess what? My obedience doesn't matter. Nothing matters. That's how we've, instead of saying, no, he died for my sins, he brought all of this to the highest expression. And now, praise God, I have his grace, I have his favor, I have the power that he has. I have the righteousness that he has. So now what? So now the grace of God, as Titus tells us, it teaches us what? That we need to deny ungodliness. Live soberly, righteously in this present age. Grace is not a license to do what you want. It's not a license to do what you want. It's just not. Now watch. Watch. That also doesn't mean you're, none of us are perfect. We all sin, but watch. Grace is not a license to do what you want. You know what grace is? Grace is you're demonstrating loyalty to God and we sin and we mess up and we fall short. Grace bridges the gap. Grace, watch, God loves you. God forgives you. God accepts you. 
based on Jesus. However, we image him, we function as his citizens, we demonstrate, we, we honor him. We don't use the grace of God as an excuse to live how we want, do what we want, substitute the commands of God, and just say those things don't matter. Listen to me, everything matters in your life. Everything matters in your loyalty to Jesus. I'm gonna close with this, and y'all been great. Ready? Remember John 1 through 3? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Watch this. Jesus brought the highest form, the highest form of, of the expression of God's intent for man. Watch. Jesus brought the highest form that a human being could demonstrate in God's love for man. Don't ever think that God doesn't love you. Why? Because God, the Bible says this, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrates his love. So watch this. Now all of us, watch, because of that demonstration, God calls you to demonstrate. He calls you. So yeah, we don't have to get circumcised, but you know what? You can't say water baptism doesn't matter. Do you see? Yeah, we, we can't give our, our body and blood, like we, we can never give our first like God gave Jesus for salvation, but you know what? We can demonstrate giving our first with tithes and offerings. Do you see? We can never give people eternal rest, but you know what we can do? We can demonstrate, we can honor the Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. We can honor him with communion and a meal and say, Lord, I'm in, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. This is your table for this meal. And I plan on showing up at your table in the new heavens and the new earth and in the millennium. We can demonstrate that. The grace of God, watch, the grace of God teaches us that we are uncommon because he is uncommon. The grace of God teaches us that we are holy because he, he is holy. The grace of God teaches us we are not like the world. We are not like Babylon. We are not like the world system. That we belong to God, that we belong to Jesus. There has to be something in our lives that there's a distinction that we're just not like the world. Grace should never make us look like the world. Grace gives us the power and the favor and the love to be the children of God. That's grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your people. Lord, I pray. Let me call the band up. I pray. Tune in right now. I pray right now for your people. Lord, as we get in, we understand 
how beautiful grace is. Lord, there's coming a time. Those fall feasts, there's coming a time when the trumpet's going to sound. There's coming a time. Yes, Lord, you're a friend of sinners. Lord, you're going to judge sin and the sinner one day. Help us understand that how we represent you matters. It matters. How we function as your family matters. Jesus, thank you for showing us the true intent and the highest expression of the Torah and the prophets. Thank you, Lord, that we see that in you and your life. Lord, thank you for grace. Lord, let us never take it for granted. Lord, you're a God of love, and that means that you're a God of both mercy and judgment. And it's your desire for mercy to triumph over judgment. But one day that door's gonna close. I just feel right now, I just feel like God's birthing something and some people, a reverence for God, a fresh appreciation for his atoning sacrifice, how he fulfilled all of these things. Lord, I thank you that we are your people. Lord, help us to show that. Help us to demonstrate that. I just pray anyone who needs to be water baptized, anyone that needs to begin to tithe, Lord, anyone that needs to repent to someone. Listen, you if you harbor unforgiveness, and we'll talk about this soon. Jesus says you're turned over to the tormentors. It's like demons, because you... You've, you've got to lock that up. You, you, what I'm saying is, Jesus forgave you. That's why we pray, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We don't have the right. That's what we were saying about murder. We don't. We're your people. We're different, Lord. The world might harbor bitterness. We're not going to harbor bitterness because you've given us the grace to forgive. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.